For those of you who are fans of renowned intuitive and best-selling author Penny Pierce, and I know there are many of you, fair warning, this is not your typical Penny Pierce interview. In this candid and insightful discussion with Penny, she clearly went places she normally doesn't go. We discussed the dynamics of the UFO ET phenomenon, the metaphysics of politics, and the rawness of reality with all of its spectrum of experience. Through it all, Penny maintains her signature philosophy. We are now living in an intuition age. Well, Penny Pierce, my dear... (laughs) All I can say is it has been way too long. You know, I think it's been nearly two years since we last spoke voice to voice. So this is a huge treat for me, and I'm sure for our audience as well. I know you've had a lot on your plate, a smorgasbord of experiences, in fact, haven't you? Yes, I have. It's Well, you know, last year seemed to have been really a, a it's like water building up behind the dam or something. And then mm. it felt like it released a little bit in the beginning of this year. And then it just pushed back again. And it seems like it's been like, and everybody says this is like underwater or kind of slow and sloggy. And, and, and it seems like now it's releasing again. It's, mm. it's like you can feel the waves. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we just had a, a little bit of a chat offline and, and talked about that. It seems like there, there are these sort of cycles or condensed periods where the wave is more tidal-like, tidal wave, tsunami-like, yeah. <laughs> and then it will retreat a little bit. And so, yeah, it's been um, it's been quite the surf, but, but good stuff going on too, right? Well, I think it's all good. You, you know, uh, okay. even the, the denser, slower time periods are helping us reach deeper things inside of ourselves that we need to clear mm-hmm. or or put us in touch with, um, you know, we were talking about a lot of people had died. And I think, you know, although that's sad and we miss them, it also puts you in touch with those other realms where they now are mm-hmm. and, and helps you, you know, open yourself and expand. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, you, you talk about that, that connection that might be made with those crossed over we, we, you and I have talked about the veil thinning between this denser uh, world and all else. So maybe that's happening as well. So that there's a lot of things sort of converging. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think, you know, we've been experiencing this acceleration for years mm-hmm. and just keeps getting more and more intense. And um, every time the new wave rolls through, you have to let go and adapt to it and mm-hmm. adjust your own personal frequency to match that wave and to match mm-hmm. what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. The, I think the physical plane is going up in vibration. And so our bodies are going up and our minds are going up and our emotions are going up and we're clearing, basically. And and it is that the physical world is more closely matching the the vibrations of the non-physical world. Mm-hmm. So that's why they seem like they're merging. Yeah. They've always mm-hmm. been merged. We're just becoming aware of the that frequency where we can feel both at the same time. It's a good way of looking at it. Because, you know, I think so many people are just, and perhaps those that aren't necessarily entrenched in these sorts of discussions, they're certainly feeling it, but not really sure how to to rectify that reconcile it or understand it so i think it is important that people understand that we're we're everything's raising if you think of it hierarchically or accelerating um but that also includes uh, emotional acceleration and and uh, physical metaphysical 
everything. Well, you know, speaking of physical and metaphysical, I want to talk about the physical and metaphysical of this, um, let's just say, interesting presidential campaign. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never seen anything like this. Speaking of intensity and, and uh, I don't know what really what I would call it, except somewhat bizarre. It's uh, unexpected campaign cycle. I just... I don't know. I, I'd love to get your perspective on, um, again, from a linear physical perspective, that's important, but also from a cosmic perspective. What do you think is going on here? I think politics is one of the areas where the clearing of the subconscious mind is showing up <laughs> blatantly um, because, you know, part of what I've written about in Frequency is that we're in a transformation process, and part of that process is this acceleration raising the vibration of the body, which then really raises the vibration of our emotions. And, and mm. that means that things that we've suppressed, denied, um, tried to keep out of view, uh, are now, let's call that low vibrational feelings. There's no place for those to be stored anymore because the whole you know level of everything has risen up so much that a lot of the subconscious fears and you know emotional wounds and things have are now coming into the conscious mind. They're they're being freed, and mm-hmm. they're in solution. They're they're floating around now, and and as they come up, we start to remember them or they reenact in our lives and then we don't want to have to look at that so we try to suppress them again and we may do go through many cycles of this resuppression of things we don't want to look at until the force builds up behind the dam so much that it breaks through with <laughs> drama and trauma and kind of explosions of you know uncontrolled energy and so I, I think we do this at an individual level. Each one of us is clearing our own, you know, private cache of fear, but also societally, you know, and culturally and nationally, these things are clearing. So I think this is what's affecting politics in general. It looks like we're going to hell in a handbasket, you know, in society. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> you know, because it, it looks like as all this negativity surfaces out of the unconscious realms, um, and it's now conscious, it's in the news everywhere. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the school shootings and, and child abuse and all this stuff is now public. Um, it's, it's, it looks like it's overwhelming us, but really it's, it can be cleared. Mm-hmm. However, you know, as this all comes up, we want to suppress it. And I think there are two pathways. One is you embrace what's coming up. You seek to understand it. You look at it. You, you find the truth that's inside of the contraction. And then it clears. And, and then you become more loving and more clear and more wise. Or you go into fear about the fear. Mm-hmm. and try to resuppress it. And then you do that by using, um, I, I call it fight-or-flight methodologies. You know, it's the adrenal glands reaction to mm-hmm. fear that you either fight it, which would mean to become controlling and dominant and, you know, dictatorial and, and narcissistic, or you avoid it and flight would be um, being a victim and like, oh, I don't know what's going on and I'll give my authority over to the leaders I don't know anything, you know, that kind of um, vacating of, of your responsibility in some ways. 
And so I see that working out in politics right now. The two, Absolutely. I do too. You know, the parties, the bi- bipartisan. Of course, you know, as uh-huh. fear comes up, we, we focus on contrast, conflict, oppositions, either or. And so you take sides. Right. Well, I mean, this is this pattern of, um, of opposition in politics and the fighting and the backbiting and the, the name calling obviously didn't just emerge this particular cycle. No. It's been building up. But again, I, I think it's definitely reached a threshold. I mean, you know, I'm going to name a name here. I don't like naming names. So you can't help but when you think of tumult and bringing out the angst and emotional just rawness in people, that would be Trump. Obviously, mm-hmm. at least that's that's a portrayal that we're getting in the media. But well, I, I love what you're saying, Penny, about what that what he may actually be representing archetypally. Uh, which... Well, when you think back even a little further, reality TV itself was some of the beginnings of this so that we started looking at the things that were so revulsive and repellent to us and then glorifying that. You know, the ego has to glorify, I'm a mean girl, you know, and I can mm. be sarcastic and put you down in the most clever way, you know, and all that kind of thing. Mm. And um, so so basically, I think that Trump was a reality TV person, <laughs> and now he's still a reality TV person, and he's milking that, that kind of marketing um, to glorify his own narcissism. I, th- I think, you know, that's, this is the, that particular kind of reaction to the accelerated energy. He is the epitome of that representing the spearhead of that. And, you know, it's kind of like everybody would wish they could be him in a certain way. Although a lot of what he, I think projects is a front. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm no not sure that he's it. like that underneath at all, you know. Right. It's, um, but it's that's what people want to believe. They right. want that, but also they're sick of. Partly, I think the good thing is they're sick of the old um, political paralysis, mm-hmm. and they want something to change. And this is part of the the urge of of acceleration. Is that I hear it with my clients. I feel stuck. Mm-hmm. stuckness and i i know there's something better coming but i can't see what it is and i don't know how to get there and i sure don't want to go back into the old way mm-hmm. but then there are a lot of people who are kind of um want to stay in the old way and are in tradition and they don't want any kind of evolution because they're comfortable mm-hmm. but i think what's going to happen is that that can no longer really stay in place that that old sort of comfort level um, isn't working. It's dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And um, the world is working too fast. So like I've even been saying, the information age is now shifting to the intuition That's age. Right, right. Because we can't process information fast enough in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about that for sure, because I know yeah. you're a big proponent of the nonlinear model. Um, yeah. Not that we should be ignoring it, but you know, particularly if we're looking to develop our intuitive capacity, we have to stop looking at things as happening in succession of past, present, and future, but rather as a continuum in that in that ball. We're going to get into that. But you <laughs> yeah. know, you said something that 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 sparked um, another term that I, or. Uh, a process, I guess you would call it, that you and I talked about offline, and that's the liminal space. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe explain that for those that don't know that term, liminal, and why 
uh, now more than ever, it seems people are probably experiencing it. And sadly, many that are in that state feel incredibly lost. Yes. Well, liminal actually means the space um, before and after a threshold. Uh-huh. And we are at that threshold point. It's like a doorway. We're standing in the doorway. We don't want to go back the way we came, but we don't know what's out and ahead of us, so we're not moving anywhere. And that liminal space, we're equating with stuckness. It's not. It's actually a very positive experience where, think about it, if the people who have been in the old kind of perception and who are resisting change and who are trying to maintain their old security finally get so tired of doing that and resuppressing, you know, the fearful stuff that they have to deal with it, that they can't, nothing they're doing works anymore, and they get exhausted from all the willpower. We, we get to a point, which is a natural point in the transformation process, where we just have to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, nothing's working, you know, and, and no matter how much willpower, how smart you are, how you refigure things out, uh, it won't work. And so you have to stop and relax. And basically what I say is that this is your shift out of your left brain into your right brain, mm-hmm. out of language into stillness and quiet so that you can actually expand out through the whole unified field and be repatterned and rejuvenated. Um, but we're addicted to the left brain. Sure. You know, <laughs> and, and that's what's tiring us out and keeping us stuck, I think. But anyway, liminal space then is that that space around the stopping. And most people, the left brain does not like to stop. It doesn't want to not have you know language and not be figuring out problems and analyzing and compartmentalizing and all that. Um, it wants rules and structure. And and when you go into the right brain, at first it seems like there's loss of everything. And um, it's quite scary, and that's where the left brain refuses to let go, and that's, you know, the ego death process, mm-hmm. right? Where we have to let go of the small mind that's running us and move into the big mind that has a lot of wisdom and is connected to the soul. Mm-hmm. You know? And so liminal space is that, it's almost like a pregnant pause. A pregnant yeah. pause. <laughs> Did that just come to you? Yes. <laughs> I could tell. And yet it's so appropriate, a pregnant pause. Well, you know, I've always looked at the liminal penny as sort of an in-between, sort of, I guess you could dub it a no man's land, sort of a, um, the well, you said pause. That's what I see. I kind of see two or a pendulum. This is my the sort of picture that I'm getting in my mind, a pendulum that oscillates back and forth. And on each side of the oscillation, it pauses which can't really be measured. I know that it, uh, the philosopher and physicist Itzhak Bentoff talked about this, that, you know, he, he wrote the book Stalking the Wild Pendulum, and he talks about that, that, um, that immeasurable or the, that you can't measure, that when the pendulum stops oscillating and it, before it reverses direction, there, there's that little teeny bit of space there, and a lot can happen there. That's that pause, which represents us in our consciousness. Wouldn't you agree? I do. I think, though, also that the idea of betweenness Mm. is still a focus on the world of form. You know, like we're still thinking about the form that came before and the form that we're Mm. going to go to. But the betweenness is a very powerful space where 
you are able, it's like meditating. It's like a space where you actually get in touch with your real self and the way the world functions, the universal laws, the principles, the love that's inside of everything. Mm -hmm. And it, re it totally refreshes you and gives you a, you know, a sense of being on purpose and in alignment with what's going on in the world and you adapt to those higher frequencies instantly. It's totally in the present moment. Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not nothing. I'm not saying you said that, but it's not a nothingness. It's, right. Oh, no. It's not such a, a full Powerful. Yeah. But it looks like nothingness when you first enter it. Right. Well, because it's, I, I think, as I'm seeing it, it's, it's, and again, I'm looking at it from the left brain side, but, <laughs> oh, left brain, shut up. <laughs> You're talking to, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at it, Penny, as sort of a, and I, I tend to think in, in, with illustrations, it's definitely a nonlinear space. I say that, you know, I'm just kind of using that as a, as a definition, but it's not really space. It's, it's. Presence. Presence, yes. But it's a moment where time and space actually collapse before it goes back into time and space. It's it's like, again, pause. I think the pregnant yeah. pause, I think, is the perfect Well, thing. I think a lot of times it's we're learning now part of this acceleration is that we are living in a huge, vast present moment. Mm -hmm. And it has expanded so much that it has swallowed up the past and the future. And other, other realms. I mean, it's, it includes the globe. It includes the other worlds. There's no line between, <clears throat> excuse me, you and, you know, the other worlds anymore. When people died, we were on the other side, you know, but now there's no other side. It's all a big mm -hmm. ball of reality with all kinds of frequencies inside of it. And the one you're in now is one frequency. If you changed your vibration, you could be in a different reality if you wanted to, you know. And um, and I think that, you know, that's part of what we're learning is that we are in a present moment and that's it. We're in the center of this huge ball. We never leave it. There's no outside world. Mm. And we have everything already. Just mm. put your attention on it and you've got it. It'll come into form if you want it to. You have said time and time again that now versus a while ago, years ago, now more than ever, that this is the case, that, you know, you can, we can, we have the ability to manifest uh, a given reality instantaneously because now it's all there. Now it's all there. I think I've asked you this before. Mm -hmm. Why now versus <clears throat> 20 years ago? I think it has to do with the frequency on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as it goes up and we adjust to it, the mind becomes more open and more sophisticated and working at a higher level. And now certain concepts make sense. And now you can kind of see the, you know, it used to be we thought of ourselves as solid bodies separated by empty space. And we didn't even really think of the invisible worlds. It's like, oh, heaven is out there somewhere. You know, but now because the vibration is so high that we're much closer to the non-physical, invisible worlds, mm -hmm. and we feel them all the time. How um, I call it an inner blueprint. You know, your thought combination of your thought and your emotions and you know how you see something creates the physical version of that. Uh -huh. We see that all the time, 
you know, and that if you change your inner blueprint of something, that the form will change almost immediately any anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a crick in my throat. If you need to take a drink of water, that's right. fine. I can. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, so so we're understanding that everything vibrates now, and people, you know, have different frequencies, and that whole idea of an energy-based world is now much more realistic, mm-hmm. common. I think you're right. And and I think you're right because, again, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, too. I know in my travels, and I've said this before, I am talking to more and more people, lay people, people that don't necessarily entrench themselves in this sort of discussion, who are talking about more frequent synchronicities, more sort of what you would call paranormal experiences of all sorts, um, clearly uh, feeling connected to something they hadn't before, something that they can't explain I know that I'm getting those accounts personally. What about you? Are you hearing from other individuals that are saying the same thing? Are you seeing a trend in terms of the feedback that you're getting from other people? Oh, huge trend mm-hmm. in it. Yes, yes. And and all over. I mean, I have clients in Dubai and and you know, all over the place in in the world who are interested in these new topics. Mm-hmm. So um you know, when I first started off, you couldn't even say the word intuition in a business setting. All <laughs> right, that's you know? changed definitely. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> so hmm. it's and it's in a very short period of time when you think about it. You're right. And this this acceleration, um, boy, oh boy, it it's just like almost every year. I think more people are coming into the fold of the consciousness movement or the soul movement or whatever you want to call it understanding that I don't know what do I want to say it's like there's a difference between religion and spirituality it's not new age and yet it doesn't have to have a lot of dogma mm-hmm. in order to or rules there are innate principles that govern the way things flow and Absolutely. you can be directly connected to god you don't have to have priests do it for you mm-hmm. this is i think kind of what's what's underneath this new spiritual movement is that you do it yourself, but you're also connected to the whole, you know, all the beings in the world. Mm-hmm. And the and enlightened and ascended masters, if you want, and and just everybody. Mm-hmm. And they all help. You know, we're all of them, yeah. alone. Yeah. We're not alone. Well, speaking of uh, being not alone, I don't know if you've been following the show of late, but I have been doing a lot of... Um, uh, episodes on we call it the ET UFO phenomenon and I mm-hmm. use that term very loosely because I think it's so much more complex and dynamic than that but I have to tell you Penny this is by far the most popular subject I've covered I thought it was animal reincarnation because <laughs> I was into that for a while and I think that's still that has merit I think that's a, a equally fascinating subject but in terms of the direct feedback that I'm getting from the audience uh, and coming forward with their own stories of feeling connected to some aspect of non-human intelligence is astounding to me. And um, I think this is related to what we're talking about, that perhaps people who uh, heretofore hadn't felt this sense of connection to something that they couldn't quite put their finger on, uh, they're feeling it now and they're talking about it more. So there's a lot of different things going on at the same time. There are, and it's all interconnected. You know, I, I'm, I don't talk about, you know, these, you know, UFOs and intergalactic things all that much, but I work from a very deep 
in kind of intergalactic place in myself, and I have a very strong connection to ancient beings who have come to the earth and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel, I mean, there are different categories of consciousness in those those non-physical realms, and I think that there are very enlightened beings, and there are some that are much more um, manipulative mm-hmm. and um, not not as compassionate. But uh, just like there are as in humans, you know. Mm-hmm. But of course, I believe in it all, and um, and I think that it's very likely that we had that the pantheon of gods, you know, that exist in the Norse mythology and Greek mythology and you know Middle Eastern mythology were extraterrestrial beings. Mm-hmm. I'm very very much read a lot about that myself. About you know Zechariah Sitchin, I. Mm-hmm. I Love his books on um, the Anunnaki. Anunnaki, right? <clears throat> yeah, and um, that hits me as very, very true. And that there's a big ancient history of the planet that we are discovering, and and we'll see how you know the religious being that like Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and and all of these great beings fit in with the intergalactic teachers and the ascended masters. Mm-hmm. So there's something, you know, I don't think we need to keep esoteric teachings and scientific teachings and religious teachings and, you know, all this separate. Mm-hmm. I think they all interweave and we'll come to a place where that is going to make phenomenal sense to us. Mm-hmm. And when we remember our hidden history of the planet, wow, and maybe that's when we start to see you know, have a life with all the other beings. I was going to say. Of of physical incarnations. Right. Right. Well, that was really my next question with, with all of this sort of, uh, sort of personal as well as collective epiphanies that many of us are having. Might this eventually usher in a revelatory moment? You know, there's a big D word of disclosure in terms of the final, we're not alone and, and not just the announcement of we're not alone, but them showing themselves um, I don't know. I, this is another question I've posed to, to other people that have said absolutely. They, they, everyone has sort of a different feel about it. I, I tend to think that there there will be some uh, revelatory moment. When I say moment, I don't mean that in the in the literal sense, but uh, a point of no return where we're not only going to know uh, very very well that uh, there are multiple not, and I, I prefer just to use a broad term, non human entities, uh, but that they will show themselves and begin to acclimate or have us acclimate to their being around us if they're not already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, you know, we have been sort of inculcated over thousands of years that we are physical beings living in a real solid physical world and that the non-physical invisible world is way far away mm-hmm. or the gods live there and we can try to become like the gods, but um, there's a, and, and so in order for us to, to know uh, that non-physical, extraterrestrial, or intergalactic beings are real, a lot of people still want proof. Mm-hmm. They're in the left brain. They're in the mm-hmm. physical, separated world. But there are a lot of people who know in their inner world, experientially, mm-hmm. without proof. You Absolutely, know? yeah. I mean... I think you can, there's subjective evidence as opposed to objective evidence 
that when you have enough dreams, they come spontaneously out of nowhere and they're filled with this stuff. Or, That's right. Um, or you see very odd things sometimes out in the world, lights bouncing around in the sky, out in the desert or whatever. Um, it, it sort of builds up. Mm-hmm. And you say, hey, you know, this has been around for thousands of years, these ideas. You know, like I was just researching something about Enoch, you know, and how Enoch was taken up to the gods. And, and people, you know, think, well, maybe he ascended, but maybe he was taken by a UFO. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's the difference? What's when, the difference? When, yeah. when old, when old uh, what do I say, like the Bible, old um, books and writings talk about certain things, they use terms that are translated into different languages and lose their original meaning. Like I remember reading in, in Zechariah Sitchin's book that originally there was a, a word Shem, S-H-E-M, and in, in the old Mesopotamian culture it meant missile, literally a missile, mm-hmm. and um, like a spaceship. And it came down to be translated over the years into Hebrew, I think, as um, name. The, the, it was something that was um, projected out of you, like mm-hmm. a, a missive, but your name. And, and, you know, so this is like a level of changing the meaning, the core meaning of something and symbolizing it and, and distorting it over time. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a pattern. We see that a lot. We do, mm-hmm. yeah. Things get watered down. Right. Sometimes if you go back to the literal meaning of something, you understand that there's a much bigger reality. Oh, no question. I think the English language in particular is, is rife with that, rich with, and I, I love studying the, this this idea of taking a word. And I, I think, to be frank, there's certain words that you say, and even intuitively you say, I have a feeling this means something a lot bigger or something else. And then you, I, lo and behold, you look at the root, and it's exactly what you thought it was. Or, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that brings us to... Let's let's get a little bit deeper into just into because <laughs> I could see us going whoop in this into the universe, which is great. I always say a little prayer. Let this conversation go exactly where it needs to go for our audience. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying this. This uh, I don't think we hear this too much from Penny talking about this <laughs> no. phenomenon. So it's, <laughs> leave it to me to get it out of her, right? <laughs> but let's move on. Obviously, this is related. All of these these things are related to our intuitive capacity and the role that the intuitive capacity or uh, properly honed intuitive capacity is playing in these times. You're the go-to person on intuition, Penny, obviously. Um, How can we connect the dots here? Hmm, Where could we take this? If we're talking about um, gleaning an understanding of... uh, these beings, let's say, I'm just kind of seeing where this connects and where we can go from here. How can we use intuition to really get insight instead of, again, looking for physical proof or having someone tell us this is the way it is, this is so? How can we tap intuition to sort of to to teach us about real history, I guess? Yeah, well, you know, intuition is direct knowing. Mm-hmm. And it is a function of the right brain, but I think it's also the perception of transformation. That when you start transforming, you start working very strongly with intuition, and it becomes very natural. I, I work with it every day, mainly now, as um, I call it working with my inner perceiver, mm-hmm. where I figure there's a function inside of my own mind that causes me to notice what I notice. 
it reveals scenes. It makes me go where I go. And, and um, so I start to dialogue with that. And I say, well, well, why am I noticing that? Or why did I think of that person? And then answer yourself from that same place. That right. The question and answer exist in the same space. And often the answer pro- propels the question. So that you can, you're trying to show yourself something. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I just made a decision to trust that. You know, why not trust it? If I trust it, then it gives me good stuff. If I don't trust it, it doesn't, why bother? You know, why bother coming through for Penny if she doesn't trust me? So um, I trust it and I, I work with the information I get. I follow it. Um, so that's one main thing. But I think, you know, today... We're trying to understand this new spherical, holographic kind of perception. We're trying to shift out of the linear way of thinking about everything um, into this new present moment reality. And that is the big work at hand. Intuition helps if you ask yourself, please let me know when I've slipped back into linear thinking. (laughs) Then you say, oops, there was one. Now let me get back in the center of my ball and feel how everything's inside of me. All the ascended masters are inside of me. All the intergalactic beings are inside of me. All the historical beings, all time and space is inside my ball. I have access to everything, you know, and the whole imaginal realm is inside your ball. Mm-hmm. All possibilities. What is this ball made of? And I'm not being facetious. I mean, no. You've talked about the ball before. Are we talking yeah. a ball of energy, a ball of light, a ball it of what? It is a ball of energy and consciousness, which I now link together with hyphens, energy and consciousness, because they are flip sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. If you have more energy, you have more consciousness and vice versa. Um, so really, that, that present moment, if you take, if you meditate and you get quiet, and you feel your own energy. You can track it out around your body, equidistant in all directions, and it becomes a ball. Mm-hmm. And then if you sit in it and relax, the ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more you open and get soft and trusting and loving, the bigger and bigger the ball gets. And then it really includes more and more of time and space and the whole unified field. If you could really relax, you'd become the whole unified field. Mm -hmm. But the ball is like a zoom lens on a camera. You're always in the nucleus, in the center point of that ball. But it expands and contracts and moves around. If you need to, you know, wash your car, you focus the ball down into the physical world. And you're not listening to very much universal knowledge at that point. You're looking at your technique. Um, And then if you are sitting at your desk at the computer, you're focusing in a small ball, you know. But mm-hmm. then you look out the window and the ball automatically has increased to include the view. Mm-hmm. There's never anything actually outside the ball. That is your flashlight beam, do you know. I understand, and, yeah. And you're bringing part of the universal body of knowledge into consciousness in that present moment. What would you do if the beloved pet you had to put down only months ago suddenly showed up at your doorstep? Or you had a dream that your animal companion told you they would be returning to you? 
Hi, I'm Alexis Brooks, and after having my own amazing animal return experience, I've put together a compelling presentation called The Evidence for Animal Reincarnation, Clues, Characteristics, Confirmation, that include miraculous stories just like mine that happen to real people just like you. You'll hear powerful accounts of animals returning to their owners after they've died. You'll find out if you can actually encourage your lost pet to return to you and ways to learn whether they already have. Take a deep dive into the historical beliefs around reincarnation. Learn about synchronicity, intuition, and even dreams and how they all factor into this miraculous phenomenon. To learn more about this unique presentation and to purchase your copy, visit higherjourneys.com forward slash animal reincarnation. That's higherjourneys.com forward slash animal reincarnation. And maybe you too will witness the return of your animal friend that you've been so longing to see. You're listening to Higher Journeys Radio with Alexis Brooks. And now, back to our program. As you're describing this, Penny, I see this ball sort of fluctuating in size, sort of reverberating or um, morphing, waxing and waning like the moon. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I'm seeing. That's the way it is. But I'm and also... You do that at, in yeah. your dreams, too, by right. the way, you know, at night. And I'm also seeing that we, as the consciousness, uh, is are really what germinates. We're the seed that germinates this ball that yes. then again warps and wefts and does all these different things. I'm I'm kind of making a a, a gesture with my hands now. I'm I'm making a ball because I've heard you mention this ball so many different times. I I've been meaning to ask you what what is this and it's. It's not an imaginary, it's imaginal. You and I had a conversation about the imaginal realm. I think it's a fabulous thing, um, it, but it's not imaginary. It is a very real thing. And I'm almost wondering if we were consciously developing and growing this ball, might it be photographed uh, as an energy field, say, with curling and photography? I think this is a real thing. I think it has been photographed. You know, it is the aura. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and that's energy and consciousness, and it's at a certain frequency in each moment. Now, you know, I talk a lot about the idea of home frequency in my book, Frequency, mm-hmm. but um, that is the vibration of your soul in your body, you know, in the present moment. It's your clear self, your diamond light self, really. And if you focus yourself at that frequency, and you do that by feeling it and thinking it, you know, and or I, I think of it like strike the tuning fork of your own frequency and a ding, and it makes a hum throughout your whole field. If you stay in that, um, then anything that comes into your reality has to filter through that frequency. That means that you get other people and opportunities and resources that are on your wavelength. Mm-hmm. You know, people who get you, people who support you, opportunities that are just right. Right. If you suddenly get knocked out of that and go into fear or, you know, someone offends you and you go into feeling offended, well, your consciousness and vibration drops back into one of those lower vibrations and now you're, nothing works in your, in your reality. You start to get people who don't get you and who are nasty or things, frequencies don't match, and, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's up to us to keep choosing the frequency we like to be at, you know, not to give in to let other people make us feel bad or something. 
I know a lot of people are listening intently to this part because, again, that is the conundrum, that there are so many people that are in in this sort of emotional uh, soup that we're in, a heightened state of emotion and fear. Uh, they're all asking Penny, how do I, how do I get out of that and keep that frequency high? If you know what, what part would it, you recommend? Yeah. Part of it is if everybody's in you, they're all at their own frequencies. Just like if you were the earth, you would have volcanoes going off and peaceful meadows and lakes and moors and farmers and everything mm-hmm. all at once. But you're holding your own vibration, but you're allowing all those other ones to be part of you. So occasionally you'll get somebody who shows up in your world who's um, very contracted and negative and can't hear anything and very blocked and then criticizes you because you didn't meet their needs, you know, and um, you can choose to let that to go down to their frequency level. Mm-hmm. And then you will feel bad and you'll want to fight them or, you know, make nasty comments back to them. But that's because you went to their vibrational level. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Why? You know, it doesn't feel good. So stay at your own home frequency, but allow that person to just be the way they are. And they'll get it at their own rate, you know. And part of this has to do with our need to avoid suffering and pain in that I think when somebody is at a lower frequency than us or, you know, sad or hurt or even, you know, we don't usually see that anger is is a sadness or terror, uh, you know, but it, it is, um, that we try to rescue them because we don't want to feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to get over that a bit, you know, and say, you know, I will help people when I get from my inner perceiver that I want to help people and that it feels like it, it will work and it's right for me. Mm-hmm. And if you can't help them, then let it go. Let it go. And let them be there in their world and you be in yours. There's yeah. plenty of space, plenty of frequencies to occupy. Right. So the thing that I'm hearing loud and clear is that when you have someone that is causing some sort of tumult in your life, a relative, a, a co-worker, and, and they're antagonistic, and you've been, let's say, confronted by them, although the temptation is to respond in a like manner, you know, they say something mean to you, you say something mean back, you make the decision to withdraw. I know that can be difficult, because again, for those that are sort of marred in the left brain, it is, yeah. it is extraordinarily difficult. This is why it is of utmost importance to understand the right brain, because that's where the right brain comes in, really, right? right. To to not, and the ego uh, being on the left brain side, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think when you're overly invested in the left brain and identified with it, it becomes ego, mm-hmm. where you feel very separated from everybody else. But if you go to the right brain, you feel unified with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. and it's all one one su- mutually supportive world. You know, but we go back going back to our talk about Trump and politics right now. You know, it's like um, he is representing that function of that consciousness that wants to um, hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know, you hurt me, so I'll hurt you. Or I'll hurt you first, you know, by being abrasive and dominating, you know, and then go ahead and try to try to get at me, you know. That's kind of uh, uh, 
it, you know, and that's part of the consciousness that's coming up these days that we're trying to clear. Mm-hmm. You know, so people like that are acting as, um, what would you call it? I mean, they're spearheading and making it visible. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how many people are actually getting a lesson from it and seeing it. Right. No. I, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I do I do understand what you're saying. And that's why I said in this case, Trump, unbeknownst to him, may actually represent a necessary archetype uh, that needs, to, I can't believe I'm saying this, that needs to be visible and evoke these types of sort of mirrored emotions in pe- some people, bringing it up so it can be cleared. It's like the ultimate laxative. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You said it, not me. (laughs) That came from somewhere else. But nonetheless, I mean, it's it's, don't don't have too clear of a picture in your mind, everyone. (laughs) But you you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I I do. As metaphorical as that is crude metaphor. Yeah. I, I've never thought of it that way. That really, well, you know, part of what I think is happening, and I wrote a, a paper on this. That's on, I think it's on my website about um, intuition and politics and seeing through mm. the smokescreen of spin, um, and and that, you know, I think that what's happening is people who are waking up consciously now are not just becoming liberals because liberals and conservatives are like two sides of an issue. That I said before, the adrenal, the, adren- the adrenaline <laughs> fight or flight mechanism. The conservatives tend to go toward the fight mechanism to dominate and contract and you know be strong like that. And the the uh, liberals tend to go toward the flight, where they can feel like victims or they don't want to take any action or they're a little apathetic sometimes or idealistic but not feeling very strong. I mean, that's the. Ex- the extreme polarity of it. Um, but I think people who are really waking up now are not taking either of those sides. Mm-hmm. They're going to a third place that holds both of them together and not participating in the conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's exactly a third party yet. It might not be a party, but it might be just a demand for something that isn't polarized. I think you're right. I mean, I certainly haven't pulled enough people to say that's so, but I can certainly see where the path is kind of leading. It, again, you know, Penny, I look at these absolutely, I don't know what adjectives, I, I think I've used every adjective in the book, hideous, in, in, insidious, <laughs> insane process. And I've always looked at something that when it's that heightened and that obvious, I always say to myself, I wonder if this is just a, a very, very poignant way of getting people to the point of making that shift into yeah. something that is more beneficial for them. And like that shoehorn. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, I think I, people have forgotten a little bit about, you know, I'm actually quite patriotic and about the early values of our country, I, you know, and the founding fathers and all of that. But when I look at a per- person who's going to be president, I want them to have character. You know, I want them to be a good human being and have some kind of wisdom and they treat people well and they make good decisions. You know, and I don't understand how, especially conservative people who really have pretty much tried to champion that, um, can think, look at him and think that he's 
like that. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Um, I've often wondered whether, and it really not just this one individual, but the whole sort of cadre of <laughs> this whole parade of people, which is obviously come, it seems down to, to, uh, whether it again is indicative of a precipice into something just completely different. I mean, again, we've seen a buildup of a political insanity for many years. And each year I remember people, this is just crazy and backbiting and the smoke screen, um, which is getting thinner and thinner. I think it's, it's comical. I mean, these are like a bunch of bad actors mm-hmm. in a B or C movie. Um, how can anyone be pay, taking this with any level of seriousness? And yeah, and I'm sorry, I may, I may offend some people here in my opinion, but I, you know, I'm breaking the cardinal rule of objective journalism, but be that as it may, in that, there's something quite hopeful on the other side of this that I'm getting mm-hmm. intuitively, speaking of <laughs> which, I am. Yeah. Because we can't go any farther than this. Mm-hmm. It's got to. It's got to stop here. What could be beyond this in terms of if you're going on this trajectory of insane? Um, maybe it's about to just implode on itself, and a whole new world is now built. Uh, I, I don't know. I, well, I don't. if you look at where things are going, we're moving away from hierarchical systems mm. into virtual kinds of spherical systems where everybody has equal roles. And it's not even that much democratic in a way. It's, it's, I don't even know what the word is for it. Um, You know, it's like crowdsourcing something or um, Mm. virtual teams and things like that. So I wonder how that would look in politics if we move toward a system where, um, yeah, it's more like that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I just have to say something here about the... The rise of technology and cell phones and, and iPads and all of this where people are glued to them night and day, day and night. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that superficial surface world, looking at the surfaces of everything and, um, and not going deeply into the inner worlds and, and the invisible worlds so that the, the loss of character in our politicians kind of parallels to me the rise of reality TV and the superficiality of, you know, just constantly texting, mm-hmm. you know, rather than understanding language, like we were saying before, of the, right. the roots of words. That's right. You know, where is the depth? Where is the heart? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that that has to reemerge, that there's going to be some sort of, I don't know what it'll look like at this point, but something where... The, the addiction to the superficiality will not be able to last. Mm-hmm. And that's a, um, some kind of awful event in the world where, you know, power is taken out or they don't work, the gadgets don't work, or whether people have to suddenly go into total fear and survival mm-hmm. in order to... I thought about that. To, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what... what it's going to take. I think it's going to take something that drastic. I have thought about that. I haven't talked about that for a while, but, uh, uh, you know, at some point there were, were discussions about the possibility because of the overburdening of the world grid that it would indeed go down. 
eventually, even if only temporarily. And I thought to myself sort of secretly, I guess not so secretly now, I would love to see it go down. Interesting. <laughs> because I think we're at that point once again. We're at a lot of precipices <laughs> on a lot of levels um, mm-hmm. that are going to either annihilate or elevate consciousness, <laughs> human consciousness. It's You're either going to survive it and use this as a point of true evolution or you're not. Um, and this is one of those things. You, you and I have talked about this as well, uh, this overuse of technology and overdependence on technology uh, as really sort of a, a surrogate for, for human uh, yes. interaction. It's very alarming to me. Yeah, but at the same time, <clears throat> there are some interesting things that come out of it. Oh, sure. Like principles being revealed, like, for instance, how easily you can connect to all the knowledge in the world. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. how easily yeah. you can be connected to so many people through Skype and, and the phones and, and no doubt everything. You know, it's like yeah. we're starting to understand principles of the intuition age, which are is about collective consciousness, mm-hmm. um, mutual support, and all of these, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, that's a, sort of that dichotomy. I've always, again, these these tools or these things that we tap are quite neutral. They, I, I, I'll use the analogy of the fire that can keep you warm or burn you, the water that can quench your thirst or drown you. Technology is no different. Absolutely, it's a brilliant thing. What are we using right now to have this conversation? Exactly. But above and beyond that, we have to make a conscious decision as to how, to what degree we're going to, are we utilizing technology? Are we using technology or is technology using us? And that's a personal choice. So, mm-hmm. um, And I think intuition comes to play there as well. You know, how many times has, have, has the intuition maybe said to you, get off the computer? It's not good for your eyes, and you keep going, you keep going. Well, I think the uh, addiction to to the screens mm-hmm. is um, another way that we try to suppress the unconscious uh, stuff that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Now, avoidance is a great mechanism for not having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can be addicted to TV or uh, phones, you know, you don't have to look at that stuff. Right, for sure. Yeah. Well, so fascinating because the the accelerated energy of this high frequency energy is kind of coming up through the pores of everything, and it's it's just flooding us. So that in some ways it's it's coming at us from everywhere, but then the negativity seems to also be coming at us from everywhere, and it really matters now what you put your attention on, mm-hmm. whether you put your attention on the high frequency energy. And the, the new reality and say, this is where I live. This is my world. And I'm going to create this world by keeping my attention focused here. Or let yourself get distracted from that and say, oh, what about this, this happening and that happening in the news and the poor people and the blah, blah, blah. And, and then that's your world. They are diametrically opposed and getting farther and farther and farther apart, those two worlds. They're bifurcating. They're bifurcating. Yeah, and so you have to choose what world you're going to live in now, or else you know you're going right. to go down the drain with the with the negative ones. I right. think. So you know, I'm I'm really paying attention to what you're saying in terms of, and I've heard you say before how attention now more than ever is 
expedient to, to talk about speed to market, speed to reality when you put your attention on something uh, in terms of manifesting. Um, and you use the illustration of uh, turning on the news and seeing a bad story and being affected by it. Or are you suggesting that people should just turn it off and, and not look at all? And Because if you're, if you're seeing something that you're affected by, uh, you're going to react, uh, mm-hmm. but don't live there. Is that what you well, don't sustain yeah. that feeling? Don't what identify with you, it, don't for identify one thing. Okay. You know, but I, I think you have to live in your home frequency. You have to remember, I'm in the center of my own sphere. Mm-hmm. I have my own frequency that I love. Now, the news is one frequency that lives inside the ball with me. I can watch the news and see what's going on, and... I can I can decide if I want to do something about it or um, you know make it let it help me think about life and what's important to me or you know whatever but you don't have to match its frequency and mm-hmm. live in it mm-hmm. gotcha use it as data I you know and then you know I get to the point where I don't really want to watch it that much anymore because it's kind of weighted in a certain way toward things that I I don't feel like I can help in that particular way of go to some foreign country and give out food or something, you know, that would not be my life. My life is teaching and and helping people understand how they can change. That's what I've decided I can contribute. Mm -hmm. And everybody has to decide that for themselves. Everyone has to decide that for themselves, not be told uh, what to think and how to react for sure. Well, I have to tell you, Penny Pierce, this, I, I said a little prayer. Dear God, let this conversation go where it needs to go. And you know what? By golly, I think it did. Don't you agree? Uh, I do. It was fun. <laughs> it was. It's always fun talking to you. Tell us what you have going on, and then we're going to have to sign off until next time. Yeah. What's, what's in the hopper for you? What's next? in the hopper is I'm writing a new book, and that's going to take several months. So I don't have any travel plans right now, but I am still doing private counseling. Mm-hmm. So people can find out about that on my website, which is just my name, pennypierce.com. P-E-N-N-E-Y-P-E-I-R-C-E.com, right? Thank you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, great. I absolutely uh, say go to pennypierce.com. I was just there yesterday, and just chock full of information. Good stuff. It's a pleasure. And I have set. a lot of things on my Facebook pages, too. I have a fan page and a regular page, so I put a lot of things on, on there. And they can get to that, obviously, from your website as well. Sure. Okay, fantastic. Well, my friend... To, way too long. We're not going to let another couple of years go by no, our way. No, no, no. I hope I get to see you soon. I want to see your beautiful face. And <laughs> if you come visit, I, I promise we'll make that, that, what did we do? The, the grilled uh, teriyaki steak. That's right. That was excellent. <laughs> so I hope we get to do that soon. But this is this has been a treat. And I always appreciate you and your wisdom. So thank you, Penny Pierce, well, so much. thank you for making the shows available to everybody and putting the voices out in the world. Well, it's my pleasure. Our pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Higher Journeys Radio. We'll see you next time. What a delight to hear from Penny on so many angles about the dynamics of today's reality, not the least of which was her weigh-in on the state of American politics and how intuition plays so prominently in our understanding about what's really going on. 
Speaking of which, if you want to hear more from Penny on this subject, be sure to stop by higherjourneys.com to read her latest article from the world of intuition, aptly titled Intuition, Transformation and Politics, Seeing Through the Smokescreen of Spin. This won't be the last of Penny's articles on Higher Journeys, by the way. We'd like to welcome her as our most recent addition to the journey, as Penny will be a regular contributor. We are so excited. So make sure you stay connected to higherjourneys.com as well as Higher Journeys Radio for the latest in transformational information. As always, I appreciate your tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks. Alexis Brooks.